Welcome to Hot Off the Press, a podcast that provides knowledge and emotional support for new and aspiring printers. I'm Jillian of Studio Soprano. And I'm Mariah of Mariah Creates, and we are two letterpress printers who believe in sharing our knowledge and learning together. We're here to help bridge the gap between antique printing methods and modern design. So hang up your apron, put down those palette knives, and let's get into what's hot off the press. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Hot Off the Press. I'm Mariah, and I'm here with my co-host, Jillian. And today, we're kicking off a little three-part mini-series on getting started with letterpress. Whether you're a designer and you're looking to outsource your first letterpress suites, or if you are interested in buying your own press, uh, we're here to kind of walk you through that process and uh, tell you a little bit of what to look out for and things you might need to know. So uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're really excited. And today we're starting with a topic that a lot of you will be familiar with, either as a designer who does this or a printer who provides a service, and that is outsourcing. Woo, outsourcing. Yay. Uh, yeah, so um, I think we're going to start off with kind of like, you know, things you might need to keep in mind before you reach out to printers. Um, there is a lot of nuance to the letterpress world. And for those people who don't have a press, it's kind of hard to understand, you know, what all goes into it um, until you're familiar mm-hmm. with the process. So, uh, you know, allow us to letterpress printers who print for other designers and also our own stuff kind of tell you what that looks like um, and all the things you need to know to make sure that your printer loves you at the end of everything. And uh, so that you and that you love them back. Yeah. And that you get exactly what you needed um, and exactly what you and we can meet all your all of your expectations, which is, you know, ultimately the goal for anyone. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like nobody opens a business and is like, I don't want to meet expectations. <laughs> Yeah, literally, like the bare minimum is like trying to meet expectations, right? Like, I mean, I guess. Yeah, but Um, they have to be understood from both sides. So yeah, uh, the first one is timeline, because a lot of people, a lot of people take for granted the access we have to digital printing and like how quickly you can just like have something turned around. And Amazon has not made this better for anyone in any industry, because this idea of like, want something now have it the next day is becoming so ingrained in us as a society and letterpress is just not something that you could want right now and have the next day yeah it's literally not built that way um which is you know part of what makes it so special but also like you know we're a generation or a world of instant gratification and letterpress is not that um it is an art form and it does take several puzzle pieces in order to get the whole picture uh so it you know that's that's definitely something to consider um as far as i know maybe you've seen differently but like most letterpress printers probably give you like a 10-day turnaround at like the bare minimum um Mm -hmm. and i think that's like your bigger like they do a lot of letterpress they have a lot of staff like that kind of business um if you're going with a smaller printer a mom and pop shop that kind of thing it's probably going to be even longer um, and that's if you have a design ready and you can just submit the design ready to go 
tell them what paper you need and that's something that they have in stock. So like all of those things considered, especially in this era of post-COVID paper shortages, <laughs> yeah. it's definitely something to keep in mind as well. If your printer doesn't have the paper that you need, which as we've talked about before, letterpress sometimes requires particular paper stocks and most printers prefer to print on cotton um, and in certain weights because, you know, that's part of the effect. Uh, those things are definitely a consideration in your timeline as well. So don't forget about availability of actual materials. Yeah. So you want to be thinking about that like ahead of time if you're considering a letterpress design. Like if you're at the point where, um, you know, maybe if you're just drafting the proposal for your client, if you know that their wedding timeline or whatever type of client they are, if you know the date that they need their goods is pretty soon, uh, it's best to be realistic about that with letterpress and know that if it is going to happen, it's usually going to cost almost twice as much because I know a lot of people for their rush orders right now is just like two times the order price. Yeah. Um, you know, so you could be paying a pretty penny to like rush things and... I don't know if a lot of people know this, but letterpress printers, even like big places, don't a lot of them don't make their plates on site because that in itself is a whole other production. Like it's an almost an entirely different industry in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Letterpress plates actually require a lot of like it's a careful process because it's a photo development process. So you need certain chemicals on hand and there's like, you know, things like silver involved in that process. And it's like, that is one expensive Two, it's not a super high, like, like most printers wouldn't make their own plates because it doesn't make sense to have all of that equipment and have somebody trained to do that, have somebody on site to do that for you for every design that comes through. Like you're better off putting them together and ordering one plate order, just like most small printers do. Like, you know, it just doesn't make sense for everybody to have that on site, um, those chemicals and that equipment and stuff. And the equipment itself is incredibly expensive. So unless you're doing a shitload of letterpress, it probably doesn't make sense for you to make your own plates. Yeah. Um, and I think it even kind of puts you in a different sort of business category. Like I can only imagine the types of like things you would have to apply for to make plates in a state like California where you're dealing with like I'm sure those emulsions are probably toxic or <laughs> yeah I mean like or flammable like yeah proper storage and like insurance policies yeah like there's a lot of like un, un like unidentifiable factors that would go into deciding to do that like and also would you be considered a manufacturer then if you're yeah. physically making something like you know I think you I don't would. Know. anyway yeah yeah we digress but point is a lot of things needed to get a print job started for letterpress and that takes time it takes time um I also think on that note like knowing your client like if you know that this person's wedding is coming up soon or their event is coming up soon or whatever it is they need printed needs to be done shortly but they're also the type of person who doesn't get back to your emails for three full days probably not the best person to like suggest letterpress to you know like last minute changes not letterpress friendly <laughs> like mm -hmm. last minute orders not letterpress friendly really like you know it's it, you're better off not rushing things with letterpress um or else if you do just know that there's going to be a big fee attached to that yeah especially if it's one of your first times like if you're very experienced and if you have a good relationship with your vendor like i definitely have um a client who um does come to me with 
quite a bit of last minute stuff, but we just have such a good working relationship that it's actually really easy. Like her files are always set up right. Um, and it's just like bing, bang, boom out the door. Um, but if you're just starting out and like you haven't outsourced for letterpress yet, like definitely pad your timeline for it because you don't know what's going to happen. Like the paper could disappear from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, just, for sure. Yeah. So. All yeah, right. And just communicating your timeline from the get go too, especially if you are on a time crunch, that's, I think that's valuable for any kind of print outsourcing. Um, but like if you have a shorter timeline, it's best to like lead off with that um, to make sure that it's possible. Um, yeah. And just because a client has requested a letterpress from you, don't assume that they know anything about letterpress they may have just seen it on pinterest they may just know the word in fact they might even be referring to foil printing which is like a whole other embossing yeah right so uh (laughs) don't assume they know anything and make sure that you're really communicating like what needs to be said as far as like timelines and budgets and expectations establish those expectations for sure um, yeah. And then with letterpress, there's also a little bit of a minimum. Uh, so smaller orders, uh, that's definitely a consideration as well. So if you're somebody who's looking to print a small amount of something, uh, you'll definitely want to check with your printer and see what their minimum is and what that costs. Because when you are setting up a letterpress job, there is a lot of, uh, time and uh, materials needed to set up that job, no matter how big or small it is. So that minimum is going to be the first step. And if you print 25 or you print 225, um, the setup is the same. So a lot of shops have minimums. Um, Some smaller printers don't, some larger printers do, and vice versa. There's exceptions everywhere. So just communicate that with them. Um, And if it is a small project, you know, that's just part of the initial setup and breakdown cost. And it's just kind of something you have to um, digest along with it and present to your client in a way that makes it, you know, valuable to them. But um, yeah, there is definitely going to be a minimum, uh, not a print five of this thing kind of option Mm -hmm. in most cases. So yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier today that the concept of like a few cost a lot, but many cost a little like, that is such a, a print, that is such a printing thing in its more traditional forms like letterpress and even like offset because you still have to make plates and stuff for offset. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But you know we still see some prices go down for things like digital, but you know it might be like a penny every time you get up to like the next fifty or whatever. Um, Everyone kind of understands that concept of if you order a few, they're expensive. But if you order a lot, the per piece cost is cheaper. And that's such a huge thing for letterpress because truthfully, like, it costs me $150 to set up a job. Like, it just does. So if you want to order 10, that's $15 for each of those prints. Like, if you want to order 100, it's (laughs) $1.50. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, the time that it takes to you know, get inks ready, set up the press, buy the plate, all that stuff. You're a hundred, you're a hundred. Order the paper. Yeah. You're $150 in for sure. And then just everything else on top of that is just like the per piece, like print cost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. So now that we're talking about pricing, <laughs> if you are <laughs> a designer out there and you want to outsource and get letterpress done, um, you're probably looking to get wholesale pricing. And in order to do that, you're usually going to have to prove that you're a valid business. So a lot of places will ask you to like, they usually have some sort of form where you could fill out like your federal, what is it? Uh, employer identification number or something like that? It is employer identification number. Your federal employer <laughs> well, identification I number. Yes. Yay. So you're probably going to need your federal employer identification number um, or a business license number or sometimes I think I've even gotten approved for wholesale accounts with just like a functioning website. (laughs) Well, I think it, I think it, not everyone requires this because sometimes I think like sole proprietorships or, you know, like I, I think that there's like some exceptions depending on the state and depending on, you know, what you're getting and all of that. So not everyone requires this, um, Also, if it's strictly, I don't know, it gets really confusing. Do not ask me about taxes or anything because not an expert. Um, Yeah. But I feel like, you know, not everyone asks for this. So don't be surprised if they don't ask for it. Um, But But it has to do with services not being charged sales tax, whereas products are charged sales tax, right? True. But it's also like as a printer ourselves, like we don't want to be giving everyone our wholesale printing price because then like our retail clients are going to be like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. So there's usually tiers to every any type of like manufacturer. Right. So you usually have like your raw like cost that it takes you to do something. And then you have like a wholesale price for that. And then you have like a retail price for that. And so if somebody wanted to come to me for like business cards for themselves, for their business, they're going to be getting my, even though I didn't design them, they're going to be getting my retail price of the services. Um, So if you wanted that wholesale pricing, I know for everyone that I've done wholesale for or like I've ordered wholesale services through I've had Mm -hmm. to show somehow that I'm a business and like I said it could be just that I have a website um and I think it's just so that people aren't just like saying they're a business and then yeah getting access sales tax yeah or or just to get the better price just to get the better price yeah yeah because like anyone could do that right like just be like hey I am a business and I want to order these wedding invitations. And it turns out that like Monica's ordering invitations that say Monica on it. Like, (laughs) yeah. And also like on that note, I feel like if you're going to go order prints from some business, if you're, if you are a business, maybe use your business email to like start off on the right foot, you know, like that way it's just less confusing for those of us who are printing for you and receiving your inquiries and stuff like, you know, because otherwise you very well might get regular retail pricing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you're like initially trying to start a relationship with a printer or another company that you're outsourcing something to, maybe just begin off, like begin on the right foot of reaching out via your business email address. You know, it's really easy sometimes for like autofill to just put in like, you know, your your default email address, your personal email address. But um, even just having an email with your business name attached to it is very helpful. So yeah. Yeah. Overall, I feel like 
we're talking about just like communicating yeah <laughs> your needs and your expectations <laughs> and you know who you are with your printer when you're outsourcing which i think is standard for any business relationship but um yeah it's very helpful for those of us who are printing for you to know who you are when you need the thing by and also i'd like to add in please tell us the quantity like printing no matter what kind of printing job it is it's going to cost different for 10 versus 100 and i just would love to give you as much information as i can right away so yeah um yeah that'd be that'd be great (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny i have accidentally sent the email to another printer when I'm requesting to outsource something and forgot to include the quantity. And I was like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it seems like, I should know because better. like, well, when you're like sending out an inquiry, you're like, oh yeah, the, the one project that has this and that and like blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, like I know how many it is, but like <laughs> you don't like, <laughs> it's, you know, you just like get into like an autopilot mode and you start thinking about next things and, you know, you forget the details. So just a reminder, send the quantity in your first initial inquiry. And uh, if there's a timeline, send that too. And then it's a great start. Yes. We're on the right track. Yes. I want to add one last thing to this category before we go on to uh, the next one. Um, just because we're talking about things that you want to keep in mind, like before you even outsource is that if you are shopping around for prices, pricing can be very indicative of service and quality. And I know that you might be trying to get your couples the best price and or even just getting yourself the best profit because sometimes you're like shopping around for stuff after the fact, after they've already paid. Um, but bear in mind <laughs> yeah. that if you're choosing the place at the best price, like you want to see a sample of their work um, and that sample is not going to be a sample of your design. That's not how letterpress works. But usually places have extras of like things they've printed in the past or they have like a sample bank and they can send you a sample. Um, this is really big, honestly, with foil. Uh I, I know a lot of people who like outsource to foil and they get these great prices and then they get it back and they've got lots of negative things to say. And it's, you know, just kind of obvious, like the cheapest place is probably going to have the cheapest stuff. Not always, yeah. not always, but I'm just For saying. Sure. Exceptions to every rule. But we both <laughs> are in a, we are both in several Facebook groups. Some of them we overlap. And so we like laugh about the same things. But there's a lot of times where we'll see people who are like, I ordered letterpress or foil from this person. And like, the prices are so great. And you're like, mm. yeah, the prices are really good for a reason. And, you know, that is totally an option for some things, for some projects, for some people. Like, no shame. Like, and also we don't know what their business is like. Like they could have a very good reason for having way less, you know, expensive prices. Like that's totally mm-hmm. fair. Jillian and I are one woman operations. Like we just cannot match pricing like that. And that's, you know, that is what it is. But uh, yeah, definitely check for like sample options and, you know, maybe ask questions if you're like, wow, this is a really good deal um, on letterpress or foil. <laughs> Why? Why is it such a good deal? Yeah. Um, And I guess that's kind of the point I want to make is that like, you know, there really isn't some magic sauce to make letterpress like so much cheaper. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there has to be a reason. Either it's just happening at such a high volume where like they're probably not going to be able to give you the best customer service 
or mistakes are easily made or quality control is just like not quite there. I'm not really sure what it is, but it blows my mind because I've done the numbers five ways to Tuesday and I can't figure <laughs> out how where these people are getting these damn prices from. But yeah, we, I digress. we clearly we clearly have lost sleep over this exact conversation before. Um, but yeah, I mean, like letterpress and, and foils the same way, but like there is an initial setup fee that does not go away no matter what type of press you use. There's no like magical press that doesn't require an individual plate. There's no like magical press that doesn't require to be inked up individually. Like that doesn't exist. Like it's not, yeah. it's not letter press if that's what you're looking at. So um, there's only so much cost you can cut. And um, usually that's people, right? Like labor is usually the most expensive part. So um, yeah, anyway, we are way off track, but yeah, <laughs> you get nope. it. Just, you know our just feelings now. Say, just wanted to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We yeah. could probably edit out a whole bunch of that, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Shop around, but be smart. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah. savvy. Common sense, you know? Yeah. All right. Mariah, tell us about this next category. Okay, so we're ready to outsource. We've got all the things, all of our ducks in a row. We know like what quantities we're going to need. We know what timeline we're working with. So where do we find a vendor? Where do we find a printer, a letterpress printer, a foil printer, whatever it is? Where do we find these people? Um, you know, it's a good not question. a lot of, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so you can look at us up at uh, mariahcreates.com or studiosoprano.com. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless yeah. plug. I had to. I had to. All right. Yes. Um, Seriously, come to this... us anytime. <laughs> we ain't doing this for nothing. <laughs> Okay, so obviously your first attempt should be Google. To email us. Right? Everyone, yeah. <laughs> We're on a roll. We haven't even had any wine yet. I love it. <laughs> okay, I need to like tone it down. I love it. Woo! Reset, reset. Okay, so okay, good. You're ready, you're ready to outsource your printing. Where do you go? Who? Do, how do you find these printers? How do you find a vendor that's reliable, going to provide you good work, etc.? Um, definitely, first attempt should be Google. Um, you can look up for local places. Uh, pretty simple, you know. Just type in your area, look for printers that way. Um, there's also um, Letterpress Commons, which I personally love looking at just for fun. Mm -hmm. But uh, this is a huge resource for everyone who has any inkling to either get letterpress prints made or learn about letterpress or learn about the different types of presses anything letterpress related this is an amazing resource so letterpress commons free website there is a super fun map where you can look up uh letterpress printers based on what type of printing they offer whether it's like fine art printing like you want to have prints or books uh invitations things like that made um commercial letterpress printers all of that so uh that's i think a really good one to start and businesses can just go on there and list what presses they have what services they offer themselves so it's like a completely free um not an advertising based thing it's just strictly information um so from there you'd have to do some research on you know what they offer and quality and pricing and all that but um yeah really fun place to look yeah yeah so some other places that you could look is also on social media so if you go into facebook groups there are public groups for letterpress i think most people in there are letterpress printers um, I don't know many people who are in those groups who are like designers who are into letterpress. 
Um, but you could probably like do a little bit of searching on Facebook for different like stationary groups or, or that. Um, there are a few that you could like pay to be a part of. I know Mariah and I are in a few of those. Um, mm-hmm. And another great place that I am discovering is actually Instagram because ever since yeah. we started the Hot Off the Press podcast Instagram account and I am actually making the effort to like tag letterpress things um you just see all of these amazing printers and you could like click into their bio and all of them usually take you right to a website and there's an inquiry form somewhere to ask um yeah I usually recommend that you try to find someone local I uh obviously not for letterpress because I do that myself but for like other types of printing like digital I've been working with people who are like way across the country And it just kind of sucks because I have to wait for stuff to get to me. And it also is, like, not great for the environment. So um, if you could find someone local, it's nice because you could build a relationship with them. um, Mm -hmm. And you might even be able to, like, pick up your goods sometimes instead of, you know, waiting for a common carrier to bring them. But yeah, yeah. I think, like, working locally as much as possible is great. And also, um, I was digging around Letterpress Commons in preparation for this episode because I wanted to see, like, what is on that map and how many things. And, like, there are there are so many printers listed on that map. There is absolutely someone near you. There's people in Alaska. There are people in other countries. Um, you know, if you are in the UK, there's places even that are listed that teach letterpress. Um, there's somebody listed in Ukraine who teaches letterpress. Like there is a world of printers out there. And I don't think that a lot of them, you know, are well known. It's far and few between, few and far between. Uh, if you're a famous printer, I think that's pretty, pretty like minimal. (laughs) Yeah. But there's, you know, but there are places to look and find these people. So um, Instagram is how Jillian and I met each other. That's how we found each other. And uh, our podcast Instagram literally is mostly letterpress printers. So if you're looking for a printer, start there. (laughs) Go look at who's following us and you'll be like, oh, I just found 100, 200 printers in one fell swoop. So uh, yeah, and like it's really fun for us to connect yeah. with other printers and share our woes. But for you uh, designers out there, stationers, um, or people who are interested in getting into letterpress, it's a great way to find people that are either close to you or at least interested in sharing on social media like you are. You know, like I think yeah. it's a super fun way to meet people. So um, yeah, whether they're close to you or not, you'll find them on our <laughs> on our Instagram <laughs> for sure. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of options. If you can work with somebody locally, that's obviously ideal. Um, it's so convenient to just be able to like go pick up or get a package delivered to you rather than having to sit and wait for FedEx to get it together. Um, and we have all gone through that like delayed or missing package scenario. And like, it's absolutely nerve wracking when you've put hundreds or even thousands of dollars into a product for it to just like get lost in transit. So um save yourself the heartache if you can and work with somebody locally um there's almost like almost definitely somebody near you that prints letterpress so um yeah yeah I wish I did that earlier like I don't know about you but I did not outsource any letterpress things before I got my press I literally just went and got one (laughs) yeah I probably would have been a good idea I got a press before I'd ever actually learned anything on a press. Same. Uh, so, yeah. 
<laughs> and then and then I learned on a press that and then I got a completely different type of press. <laughs> we are so, cart before the horse kind of people. <laughs> oh, for sure. Do as I say, not as I do. Thank you very much. Um, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, like we talked in the last episode, learn from our mistakes, people. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. So should we move on to the next section? Yes. So these are tips on how you can have the best experience because now you know you've already thought about you know your project and your timeline all that um you've you found your vendor here are just some great tips for having an amazing experience with whomever you pair up with um and obviously the first one and we'll probably say this a bazillion times on this podcast is have your files set up right yeah if you're looking for resources on how to set up your files for letterpress, um, anyone you're outsourcing to most likely has a small fee that they'll charge you by the hour to help you with any design edits that you might need. Um, most of us are happy to answer questions on, you know, simple things. Um, so definitely ask your printer. If you're not sure about something, just tell them what you're not sure about, and I'm sure they can offer you some guidance. Yeah. Um, there are absolutely articles and blogs and uh, courses available in the webosphere that will give you all the information you need as well. So um, there's definitely resources out there. Again, Google is your best friend, but um, there's definitely walkthroughs. YouTube even has some really great videos. Um, so lots of resources, both free and paid, that'll give you either a lot or even a little bit of information to get you started. Yep. Yay. So you have your file set up, right? And then you probably want to pick a color and you should Ooh, absolutely fun. be using a Pantone guide. Yeah. Oof. I hate to tell you this, everybody, but Pantone guides, although expensive, are pretty much necessary for designers. <laughs> totally necessary. I'm assuming Absolutely if you're listening necessary to this, for printers. Yes. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you are in the paper realm of some sorts, whether you are the designer or the printer or whatever. You need a Pantone guide. It sucks yeah. that they're expensive, but they figured it out. They figured out the fact that we need it, and so they're charging us for it. Um, yep, for sure. The good news is, do so Mariah and I, if you're a printer, you need the formula guide, but do they make one that's, like, not the formula guide, and is that any yeah. – is that cheaper, or is it all the um, same? I think they're all kind of, like, around the same price ballpark figures. Um, I've honestly never looked, but the formula the formula guide comes encoded and uncoded, so you get those two together. Yeah, um, I which never is super use annoying. Yeah, we we hate that. Um, like, seriously, it's sitting right here next to me. I'm picking it up to show Mariah. Still in the box. Mint condition. I will yeah. never use this. Yeah. I Waste actually bought paper. I actually bought my uncoded one on eBay from somebody who bought the set and only needed the coded one. We just oh, need to get damn. together with other designers who need the coded ones. That's what we need to do. Who needs, um, so, what do you do to need the coded one? Like, I think who it's are like, you? What are you doing? I think it's like, like digital printers, I think, would use them. Like if you own, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, the, <laughs> what I really want is a bridge guide um, that has like all the hex codes and stuff. To, like translate from digital to print would be really cool. But I digress. Um, so you're going to want to make sure you have a Pantone guide. If you're a printer, you're going to need the formula guide, which has the actual recipes for mixing that color. Um, it's absolutely necessary if you're a letterpress printer and ever going to try and match something exactly. Um, you could totally eyeball it if you have like an envelope or a piece of ribbon or something physical that you're matching, but you would need that on hand. Um, however, if you're trying to match a color with a designer who's in another area, 
mm-hmm. um, you're definitely going to need a Pantone guide to make sure that you get the right thing. Um, because they could send you a photo of something they want to match and you could make an ink that matches that photo perfectly, but that photo may not represent the color accurately. The Pantone guide makes sure that what I see is exactly what you see. And when I match to that paper, that ink to that Pantone color, it's going to be exactly what you expected. Um, so yeah, there's different guides out there, different Pantone guides. Uh, so make sure you just get the right one, depending on what you're doing and you know what your role is. Um, yeah. But yeah, and if you do you're going of- to need one. Yeah. And if you do a lot of custom work um, and like, let's say you have clients that uh, really like to see things a lot, they actually make a Pantone booklet that has these little like tear out pieces, like tiny chips. They're like little paint chips. Yeah, they're little paint chips. They're real great. Um, You could put them like, you know, on a little board or something along with like the envelope sample and whatever to send to your client. I think this is really big for people who do branding. Um, yeah. I know when I worked in interior design, if we were ever doing anything for our clients that had to do with branding, like we would actually send them like Pantone chips so that they could yeah. see the color and they have it for reference. Um, also, it's just good to have in case they ever need to like reorder it. They know what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So have a Pantone guide. No cutting corners there. P- providing a printer a CMYK color for letterpress is not going to get you very far because I can guarantee you that your computer is not calibrated uh, exactly the way that their computer is calibrated. And so yeah. your CMYK color may be completely different than whatever they see. And if they try to match it, like what they're seeing to their Pantone deck, I just know yeah. from experience it's not going to work out well. <laughs> Yeah, if if you don't know, letterpress inks are based off of, what, like 18 different base colors, whereas your CMYK is clearly just four. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've ever printed anything at home, you know that whatever you look at on the screen is probably not what it looks like when you print it. So why would you assume that your CMYK matches what I see? <laughs> you know, so I think it's just part of, you know, a little common sense. But for serious designers or stationers um, or, you know, other industries that are going to revolve around print, you're going to want a Pantone guide uh, just to make sure that everything lines up and everything matches. So. I just want to go grab something for show and tell later. So we're going to circle back to this. Perfect. I think that's okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. And then, yeah. Quadruple. You want to go? You want to do that one? Oh, sure. All right. So the next tip is to quadruple check your work. So we said this earlier, but with letterpress, you really, there's no, there's no going back. Yeah. <laughs> I Oof. mean, there is, there is, but it's going to cost you the thing. I think the thing that's like kind of hard if you don't know the whole process is why it is all these things like to me I feel like sometimes letterpress printers can come off as like I don't know like they don't want to make accommodations for clients or whatever but that's not it at all it's just there is no easy way for us to fix a small error Um, you have to make a whole new plate. You can't just make that one word differently. Like the whole thing needs to be remade. That has a timeline. Then you have to fit that reprint back into your schedule. Um, you have to remix the ink. You have to, you might have to buy more paper. Like there are so many different things. There's so many different things. It's like I said earlier, we've been really spoiled with this idea of want it today, get it tomorrow. And, Um, unfortunately, when it comes to errors, they're usually caught like 
when you need them to like go out you know what I mean like the client just got them to their house and realized that like their name was misspelled or something so make sure that you're having your client sign off on a proof make sure that you're quadruple checking your work that like even the most mundane words like days of the week months of the year are looked at maybe even by someone other than you yeah (laughs) Um, they say to proof your like for spelling errors you should read it backwards right so like do that double check everything make sure it's of and not faux like I mean everything um if you listen to our last episode you'll know that I printed hundreds of something that didn't have the period and the comma before I realized like mistakes happen all the way through the process so if you are covered then it's no longer on you if there's a mistake made you know like just cover your own butt check everything that is our life motto our life goal is to make sure that the errors are not our fault (laughs) yeah you know what's funny is right after we aired that episode I got a plate order and a huge chunk of the design was missing and I was like I was livid because I was like I know this was all set up right and like of course before I email anybody I always check myself make sure you do that do not ever email someone angry without checking yourself yeah sure enough I opened up the file and it wasn't full black it was like a really deep dark green oh rude it looks black but if you click on it it is not I'm telling you, black. select all and 100% black is not the ticket. That is not enough. Like, you have to go into every piece of every picture yeah. that you put in your plate file. It's so annoying. Yeah. And um, I know how I did it, too, because it was, like, a last little element. I was like, this design just needs, like, one more thing. to sneak something in there. Yep. <laughs> every time, man. Every time. Okay. Oh, anyway. man. And then last but not least, order Ugh. extras. Order extras. Always order extras. So we've talked about how, like, painstaking it is to set up the press and how costly it could be to make mistakes. The same applies if we have to print five more of something. You remember that shop minimum we talked about? It still applies. Like, so always order extra. I usually print extra anyway, but there are times when, you know, something goes wrong and we run out of extra paper and, you know, we can't guarantee that you're just going to get 10 extra included in your order. Um, and we shouldn't have to plan for that as printers. Your printer shouldn't have to plan for that. So if your client wants uh, 75, you should automatically be ordering 85 <laughs> or 80, whatever or you more. think. But yeah, or more. I even think because you know. so I just had someone recently, they ordered 110 and then their client requested to add five more. Um, so they had to bump it up by five, but then that was kind of eating into like how many they wanted to keep for themselves. And I was like, let me just give you a piece of advice. I know letterpress seems really expensive, but just order more than you need because it is going to be disastrous if you need to like just get five more. So like better to just pay, you know, maybe $30 extra to like, you know, have a bunch more. And if you're getting a letterpress suite made, that means it's something gorgeous that you probably want to keep as samples to put in your portfolio. You can make like little sample packets. You can yep. never go wrong with ordering extra. You don't want to be shorthanded. Also, if you have extras, your couple is going to want one to keep. 
uh, mm-hmm. a photographer may want one to take a photo of. There's two extras right there. Maybe mother-in-law or mom of the bride really would love to have one to keep as a keepsake. You know, like those extras can always get used. They can be given as gifts. They can be put into albums. They can be put into sample packs if you're a designer or, you know, a stationer. Like those those extras will never ever you'll never be mad you have extras you will definitely be mad if you need to order three more of something um so just plan for that yeah just plan for that whatever you think you need add more and then add five (laughs) (laughs) that's what I do yeah sometimes I get mad at myself because I'm like oh now I have all these sitting around but truthfully like I have been in the situation where I printed this amazing suite. It's one of my favorites. It's the one I photograph the most. I post the most. It is like my absolute favorite. And the mother of the bride reached out to me and asked if she could get 15 more. And I had 14. So (laughs) not only and I'm sure she would have been fine with 14. But that means I would have none for myself to like keep as samples to like show as reference. So like I had to do the whole process. And it was like a really in-depth one like three different colors on three different cards it's not it's not cheap it's not cheap to do it it isn't yeah you'll never regret having a couple extra on hand and that setup fee or that initial time or whatever it is to get the minimum order going is (laughs) is painful so yeah just bite the bullet do the thing you won't regret it i love it Yay! Wait. So that's our whole spiel on outsourcing. I hope that was helpful. Yeah, I hope, I, hope, I hope somebody out there learned something today. Um, I feel like that was helpful. I think we covered a lot of things. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you have questions, and don't be afraid. Let us know. Yeah, just ask questions. Ask questions to us. Ask questions to the vendor that you might want to use. Um, yeah. We're all here to help. It's You know what I mean? Like... And if your vendor is like, oh, I can't believe you bothered me with this question, then you should find a different vendor. <laughs> yeah, because we don't like that. You know, like, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, regardless of personal differences. But, uh, you know, if if somebody's providing a service, they want you to be satisfied with it. And if you if that requires answering some of your questions, then you have every right to ask those questions. So don't hesitate to ask somebody if they're busy, you know, they'll get back to you when they can. But I think just ask questions. You know, there's no harm in asking. You can definitely regret not asking later, uh, you know, later on. So just ask the questions that you need to ask and uh, don't be afraid to, to outsource. Yeah. And I need to put in a plug for small printers. Like there's so many of us um, and you really have the opportunity to create a genuine relationship when you work with a small printer. Um And I am just recently, like, realizing how amazing that is to, like, have that with my clients, but then also my vendors. Um, It's something to consider. Like, if you're very much used to just, like, going online and ordering something through a form and, like, never talking to a single person in goods showing up on your door, um, you may not realize like how nice it is to like really know the person on the other side of the screen and like know their first name and like all this stuff. So yeah, small plug for small printers. We're pretty great people. Just saying. <laughs> no bias at all, of course. But uh, yeah, I really I love printing for other designers. Like I I get inspired by other designers. I have gotten to challenge myself because of other designers. I, you know, I really enjoy that. And I also love building those relationships because you never know when you're going to need something else down the road and having that relationship goes both ways, you know? Um, And 
also like when you have somebody that you know and trust like I personally find that super valuable so if you can find a small printer that you like working with who uh you know you can swing the prices of or whatever like I think you should you know value that um because that helps us stay you know stay working and keep printing and uh, you know, hopefully it benefits you because you can ask questions or you can ask to see the color before it goes on press, or you can ask those questions and not feel like, you know, you're just talking to a, a bot somewhere, you know, so um, small printers like us uh, really do value that relationship. And, you know, we spend, Jillian and I spend a lot of time answering questions for people like in our inboxes. And that's part of what we love, but also like, you know, for us, it's worth it because we like to build those relationships and we like to provide a service to people that we actually know. And, you know, yeah. we are small businesses and that's part of the appeal is that you get individual attention. So, um, yep. not underrated by any means. So, yeah. yeah. And I want to add one more thing because this conversation now reminded me of it. But if you are searching for local vendors and you are finding some, be prepared to get on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a hard thing for me. And honestly, one of the big reasons why um, I haven't outsourced letterpress locally and I just print everything myself is because every single local print shop is like phone call only. And I'm like, how how do I do this? I don't know how. And I oh, recently man. did it for foil, um, contacted a local place for foil and called them and it was so delightful. It was really delight. Like we chatted, we answered questions, we had the order placed, bing, bang, boom. Um, Mariah also put me in contact with someone for rollers, which was really similar of like, I just had to call them. I couldn't email them. Um, so so just funny. be prepared. You know, it's fine. I, I have a lot of anxiety over calling people. Like, I, I don't even order pizza over the phone. Like, it gives me so much anxiety. But you know what? Uh, once it's done, it's done. It's great, and pizza's delicious. Maybe one day we'll have an app for that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! Uh, yay! Perfect. Well, hopefully, yeah. That I think that's good. I think we did a good job. Woo! Should we talk about what is hot off our presses? Yeah, definitely. Do you want to go first, or should I? I think you should go first. I feel like I always go first. Okay. Well, um, I recently, so I'm working currently, uh, I'm finishing up the details for a uh, invitation suite and the theme was disco engagement party. Like who doesn't want to go to that party? I don't know. I definitely do. Um, so it's really fun. I'm super excited about all the pieces that we're creating and um, I believe the client is excited as well, which is fun. But I took this disco ball design that I made and these little stars and I was like, I was preparing to print all of my Valentine's Day stuff, which uh, by now is all out there in the world. And you've probably seen the disco cards that I made uh, as well on social media. But I just like, I've lately been taking old designs and remaking them and trying, like I go through old plates or I see these old cards because I have them all on my wall in my office. So I see them every day. And I think like, oh, I really should have like, I should have done this. And like, it's part of the growth process. Like since I started printing the things that I've learned, the skills that I've gained, the confidence, let alone like the actual knowledge, um, I just can do other things now that I couldn't have done before. And uh, the disco ball note cards for me were really just like 
a true playful experience. Like I was like in the process of designing this and I was like, this suite would be even cooler if we did this. And I was like, let me see what that actually looks like on press because for me, it's like, I don't want to offer something and not be able to deliver it. And in the process, when you are at that phase where you can offer things, it's like, you know, you want to offer those things that are, you're super excited about and pumped about. And so the disco balls, I printed them on some, uh, I had some extra cards around and I was like, I'm just going to try them out and see what it looks like. So I used a color I was printing. I didn't like do anything special for it. I just threw it on the press and I didn't even like carefully align it. I just like kind of slapped it on there. Um, and it turned out so fun. I absolutely love them. And I am going to make them in neon colors now because obviously that fits the bill. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm excited about the disco balls because it was a fun, playful experience, but also the best thing about being a printer is being able to take something and just try it. Mm -hmm. I just put it in with an existing plate order. I ordered the plates because I was already ordering plates. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll put this little disco ball and these stars on there. And I just was already printing this color pink. I'll just put the disco ball on the press and see what it looks like. You know, I already had this paper on hand. It's like you can use some of these things to like play around and do stuff that normally you wouldn't have the chance to. So um, yeah, it was really fun. And coincidentally, complete, complete chance, yeah. zero coordination. Jillian also was printing disco balls this week. Yes. So I'm curious, before I get into mine, I'm curious, did you want to test it out because you wanted to see what the disco ball would look like? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's a little bit like, because there, you, you can probably picture a disco ball, right? Like a drawing of one. And it has a little bit of solid know, area with the- Just like this? Basically. Yeah. I have some right here. Um, yeah, yeah. They so just like, have this skinny, they have the little squares and the skinny little lines in between them. Yeah, yeah, but how cute yeah, is that? Yeah, yours like, is so much smaller. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like this disco ball is maybe like not even an inch tall. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted it to fit on an A2 like note card. And so it was like, how is this going to actually look? And I wanted it to be like bold. I didn't want to have too much like, you know, salt and pepper look to it. I wanted it to be really like a solid print area. So um mm -hmm. It did turn out really great, and I just like love the 3D effect when the like there's a couple little squares that are negative space, and I just love how that worked out, um, yeah. and the little stars and everything. So I'm obsessed with it. Uh, yeah, just can't get enough. There will be disco balls in our future, everyone. Um, it's obviously different than the invitation suite I'm working on, but even seeing it on paper, I already have ideas of like things I want to do a little bit differently. So like you know, it's part of the process. And this was a rare experience where as a letterpress printer, I could try it out with low, you know, cost. Uh, so it was a really fun, a really fun experiment that will be coming back around. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So I um, literally printed a very, very similar, just slightly larger disco ball. Um, and this plate was also something that I, well, this is something that I was reusing. It was an old plate. Um, in 2021, at the beginning of 2021, I made a New Year's card that had a disco ball on it. And a dear friend of mine fell in love with this disco ball and has ordered several things with this disco ball on them. Cute. Um, from like graduation party invitations to personal note cards to she's just announcing a big life change for herself. So, um, Every time she needs something, she says, I want the disco ball. <laughs> and I so love cute. it because now I get to, like, keep reusing it. So um, what was really interesting about 
this particular project is that this was the first time that she wanted something on an A2 size and mine is probably I would say like an inch and a half if not two inches of a like like half of an A2 height yeah yeah it's super large and um we needed them really quickly so I didn't have time to reorder them however I did order new plates with a smaller disco ball just be and now I'm thinking like I should have just outsourced this to Mariah (laughs) should have just outsourced it to Mariah should have coordinated I ordered a plate that is smaller for any future orders because I feel like they're just going to keep coming Um, yeah but so I printed it on an A6 size for two reasons. One, because she needed them really quickly. I actually paired it with digital printing because she needed like actual words written on there. So the only thing that's pressed on the card is the disco ball. And then I have some like sparkly stars around it and some lettering that was printed. And of course, I had to do a bit of color matching, which is why I picked these up for show and tell. Because I wanted to show you, and I'll post them in our weekly Instagram photo, but... Oh, yeah. See that smaller one? Okay. I kind of like the whole collection of disco balls, by the way. Like, having several is really fun. So this super dark one on screen matches this identically, but when it was printed, it's, like, so much bluer, and my letterpress ink has, like, a slight hint of green to it. By the time I got the ones that perfectly matched... The disco balls on my screen were straight up green. They weren't even like teal. They were absolutely green, but they printed out the perfect shade of if you're a stationer and you're familiar with Placid Blue from um, Color Plan, I think is Mm -hmm. who makes it. Yeah. They're the perfect shade of Placid Blue. Like (laughs) absolutely perfect, but they are green on my screen. Yeah. So, of course, I had to use my printable palette from Design by Lainey to <laughs> Thank nail God down she made that. that, honestly. Yeah. Thank God. I, I just, I use it all the time. And even if I'm editing it, because obviously it's not, like, every shade, but, like, I will just take, like, a whole, I'll, like, find where I'm closest and then take a whole bunch of them and, like, copy, paste, copy, paste, and then just, like, slightly edit it until I am down to the exact shade. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of ink mixing, I uh, so like I said, I was printing my Valentine's Day stuff and I was like, the beauty of working with products for your own store is that like you don't have to Pantone match in most cases unless you're like trying to match an envelope or something like right. a lot of the stuff I do. I design specifically so that like I don't have to like perfectly match an ink. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> I mixed a light pink and I thought this is going to be great. And I got it on the press and I was like, I hate it. Um, and so then that threw off the other pink I was going to print. And then I also was going to do these blue and gray note cards and the blue initially was like not right. And so I ended up like remixing, cleaning the press, inking up again several times throughout this process. And I was like, man, if I had just color matched to begin with, it would have saved me time. (laughs) Seriously. Sometimes it works out when you just try and like wing it. Uh, with ink mixing and sometimes you regret it in the end um when it works out it's great when it doesn't work out it's an absolute nightmare (laughs) yeah yeah uh yeah so it was uh it was fun but yeah could have gone a lot faster well you know for next time 
Although yeah. we, we're always still going to try to I love winging it. I, yeah, I love, I winging, love it. winging it. I love winging <laughs> it. But like I it makes me so mad when I was like no, I was doing this to be easy and now you're totally. being hard. Yeah. Totally. I but I can totally yeah. relate. Yeah. Yeah. I think that like those are the lessons that you learn and like you just remember that next time and you plan accordingly and you know it's like you just have to learn those lessons the hard way sometimes. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I will. I will be smarter in the future. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that experience with us. Yeah, for sure. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Hot Off the Press. We hope that uh, you've learned a little bit about outsourcing. Um, you learned a little bit about disco balls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should design something. Okay, new challenge. Everyone design something with a disco ball. Like, yeah, and then give we'll us your best disco something. moment yeah. in <laughs> letterpress. Or fun. if you've already designed something with share a disco it. ball, tag us. Yeah, share it and tag us. Yeah, let's have That'd everyone share their disco balls because I love it. Yeah, I'm just gonna say great. it a million times. Actually, only on this episode have I called it that. I call it a mirror ball because my girl Tay Tay calls it a mirror ball. Really, I didn't know that. That's funny. Yes, she has an amazing huh. song called Mirror Ball. I never, ever would have thought All of right, that. All right, everyone, tag us with your disco ball, letterpress prints, and if you throw in the sound, Mirror Ball by Taylor Swift over it, you will be my you best get, friend for life. Yeah, you get bonus points. Um, <laughs> bonus awesome. points. And, and after you tag us, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, leave us a review of Hot Off the Press on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're enjoying this episode. Um, and on Instagram, join us uh, in the conversation. You know, tag us in your disco balls and uh, send us your hot off the press projects uh yeah we'd love to hear from you yes and definitely consider leaving us a review because we are so stoked about all the listens that we have but now we really 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 want some reviews yeah yay <laughs> yeah we'd love any feedback you have so uh leave us a review uh send us a message all the things so we'd yeah. love to hear from you awesome all right that's it talk to you soon bye, bye. bye.